0: listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast.
1: This episode of the Traditional Outdoors Podcast is brought to you by St. Joe River Bows. If you're looking for a custom longbow or recurve, then St. Joe River Bows has you covered. St. Joe's is a family-owned company that specializes in traditional bows for the entire family, plus their forward handle design, powerful limbs, and unique wood and color combinations make St. Joe's the perfect choice for the budding or experienced archer or bow hunter. Tracy offers bow options for all members of the family from the youngest to the oldest, and they even offer a trade-in program on all youth bows so that as the little ones outgrow their bow, they can trade them in and use that towards the purchase of a bow that better fits their growing needs. And for listeners of the Traditional Outdoors podcast, David and Tracy are going to include a St. Joe River bows t-shirt with any new bow purchased. Just mention that you heard about them while listening to this podcast. So when you're ready for a new bow, be sure to check out their website at stjoeriverbows.com or give Tracy a call at 517-617-3658 and be sure to tell them Traditional Outdoors sent you. Now on to the show. So Mr. Nick, I saw yesterday, looked like you guys had a blast. Wanna give us some more information about the the infamous squirrel hunt that I saw pictures of yesterday <laughs> and and video.
0: Yeah, and video. Well, a little video, but that was spur of the moment because I couldn't believe what was happening. Um, <laughs> I was laughing. <laughs> we uh it, I mean it it was pretty much what it looked like, you know, like four idiots out in the woods. <laughs> um, every, uh, every year we have, uh, Whitneyville church has a, we have a couple MLA members there, um, the Stochist Dykes and, uh, they do a charity squirrel and a rabbit hunt. And, um, it, it attracts a lot of, a lot of people actually this year was probably the biggest I've seen, but they're like, you know, legit beagle people with like 22s and stuff like that. And they all come and they, you know, they'll shoot, I think this year that the lead team got like 34 rabbits or something like that, or 34 rabbits and squirrels total. Um, and then, uh, you know, the next one was 22 and then we never get anything. We just show up (laughs) and they have a little raffle and and they got a door prize table and they have chili and all kinds of stuff. So it's a fun little thing that we do. And we've been doing it for like three, four years now. Um, and uh we went out and uh we always go to kind of the same spots um and there's a lot of squirrels out there and uh we we really i mean as john coined it yesterday we kind of just traipse around and and talk and we don't really you know do a lot of shooting well typically that's how it goes yesterday was different yesterday we split up and we were kind of quiet and uh just sat down because that's really what you do. You know, if you're going to, you see squirrels when you're quiet and you just sit down, (laughs) you know, that's when they come around. Um, and, uh, John and, uh, And then we were joined by Carrie Cox this year, who is an MLA member, uh, from the East side. And, uh, they had so much action. They emptied their quivers. There was just squirrels everywhere. You know, no squirrels were harmed. No squirrels were hit. And then we got, you know, Rob and I kind of heard them, and we went walking across the this cornfield because we were on the other side of the field, and they were kind of talking by a tree, and it was the tree that John and I have turkey hunted by before, and we're sitting there for a good fifteen minutes, and then Rob said, "I think there's a squirrel in that tree," <laughs> and we're looking up in the tree. We're like, "Where?" and he's like, "No, in the tree," and we look, and sure enough, like five yards away there was a squirrel in the crack of this huge old oak and we're like wow so john goes i think i could shoot that thing and we're like we you can't shoot that thing because i mean (laughs) the crack was like an inch wide i mean it was hardly big enough i'm like i don't even think you could put a judo in there and he um he goes well it was one of those well all right i'm gonna do it and so I'm like, all right, well, I'm getting the camera out. So everybody, <laughs> sure enough, he he reared back and he threaded the needle from about six, seven yards. And I mean, we're all way out of the way because we figure this thing's going to bounce back and poke somebody's eye out. So he he hit it. I, I think he hit it. It looks like he hit it. And it, um nothing, like it just kind of jiggled around in there and then ran away and ran up the tree. And then we were all shooting at it. <laughs> and then before we know it, we from, had... From from all sides. From all life. sides. <laughs> and at one point, Carrie was like, I, I am on the wrong side of the tree. I need to get out of here. Because <laughs> there was arrows flying all over the place. And we had, uh, you know, we had arrows. We had to go find them all at the end. And, and that's the thing with squirrel hunting with bows. It's like you don't pay attention to where your arrow goes. You're looking at the squirrel. So you could have an empty quiver and then not have any idea where any of the arrows are. So it was good that was definitely the uh you know but it was it was kind of funny to watch four grown men you know run after squirrels i mean because we were after that we went a little further down the ridge and then um <laughs> you know we'd say oh squirrel there's a squirrel over here and everybody come sprinting over there and you know then it would move 40 yards and we'd sprint another 40 yards and <laughs> it was kind of, it was fun what
1: what I saw was a fitting scene that should have been included in Robin Hood men in tights. That's all I'm saying. It, it, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was, you know what? It was, it was good to see you guys having fun, it, but at the same time, it, it, you, it, it, and it's just going to be by its very nature. It's almost comical, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, here, are the cedar shafts bouncing off that Oak. <laughs> oh, Oh yeah.
0: And I should, I should probably post that video in the group. I got it. Um, it's on YouTube now, but, yeah, we uh, we don't usually get anything on camera because we're all too occupied. But I don't know. I think I might have to from now on because it's too funny not to watch. You know, all that happening. And uh, it was it was a great little day. Um, what about? It
1: looked like a lot of fun.
0: Oh yeah, and you know we, the only the only downer of the whole weekend was that Nathan and Jamie Burkhead didn't, couldn't make it this year. Nathan uh, Nathan sick and and they couldn't make it out. So, but. You know, Carrier was a nice addition, too, so, you know, it's something... I just think it's fu- it's fun that it's something we've done every year and that it's just right. a little... We, we, I really do wish we could all get together and do that more because the small game thing is just a riot with bows. Um, it's just shooting constantly, and, you know, we stumped a lot. Um, that was a lot of fun, and, uh, yeah, it was just good to get out, and, you know, and I, and I shot the Schultz yesterday. Haven't shot the Schultz in a while, so remember how how nice that bow is and we were all shooting d-style sticks too
1: i saw that yeah. i did
0: see that yeah so that was pretty cool what about you what's Some... what's going on with you
1: well we had our second uh shoot up at the north georgia club um you know where that's at you've actually been up there and hunted up there but yeah um we we moved our shoot so the club voted last uh summer at our annual meeting to move the we normally we used to, we've always had it on Sunday. We moved it to Saturday, um at the request of the club members or the majority of the club members. So it's a it makes for a very long day. Um I think my day yesterday started around five thirty, you know, get up, get a shower, I I meet uh Gene Bramlett. Uh we have breakfast at a little um little local uh restaurant there and then we'd get out and start unloading, loading up targets and setting targets as soon as it gets light enough to, you know, to start getting stuff out of the trailer and getting things set up on the course. Um, and then the shooters typically start showing up, it's supposed to start at nine. So of course they're usually there around eight. <laughs> so, um, but I got to shoot the, I got to shoot the court, the course yesterday with, uh, my good friend, Mr. Beecher, um, for those that. That don't know I think I've mentioned this before but uh four years ago I think this gentleman and he's he's I don't I don't want to say I don't know his actual age but I mean you're, you're talking upper 70s uh lower 80s um but a fine fine individual and he walks up to me and he says he hands me this this gray bow sock that's only about I don't know two and a half feet long and he said you know i've had this sitting back in my closet for a long time and i can't shoot it but i really believe it should belong to somebody that that does and he hands me this thing and i take it out and it's a a two-piece takedown um saint charles longbow that jay built i'm thinking somewhere in the mid to late 80s and i have fallen in love with this bow I've, i've pretty much shot it exclusively and hunted with it exclusively ever since he gave it to me um it's taken a bunch of critters but just i think it was one of the few times that it was just me mr beecher and uh, a friend of his that had come with him to shoot so that was really cool um now for the the really fun part so we we get back up to the the little meeting area the club meeting area and we were talking about the expo and so forth and um uh he said uh you know i'd really like to i'd really like to see you make a string one time because you know i make strings i just like to always see you know how other people do it and i said well i've got you know all my stuff still in the truck from the expo why don't i just set it out here and, and make a string for you
0: <laughs>
1: well several hours and many strings later um i don't remember how many strings i made but uh, once i started making one to show mr beecher i had several people come up and ask if i had time to make them a string so i think i finally tore the um the string jig down at like 2 two thirty in the afternoon and and then the course was pulled and, and that was in a day but it was just a fantastic day um i must admit i was very tired and slept very well last night so uh, uh but no complaints just a just a ton of fun great weather um a lot of great people it's kind of funny we were talking about before we pressed record I actually had two people that i I've never I if I've seen them it was just in glance in passing glancing I, I didn't remember either one of them But while I was on the course and was talking they came up and said hey I know your voice you're you know went through the whole thing so that was kind of cool um and actually had one gentleman come up to tell me how much he enjoys the podcast and I was later told um by another one of the club members, that the gentleman is eighty-two years old. That's awesome, and that is just that is just so cool that you know you got such a, a broad um, diversity of age groups that that listen to podcasts now and and listen to ours, but mainly just that listen to podcasts in general. So
0: yeah, and it's pretty uh, that's pretty wild because even you know a little bit at Compton last year and at the Expo this year, we had a couple older gentlemen come up and and say that they. They listen to podcasts or they don't listen to many podcasts, but wanted to know what it was all about, you know, and uh, just needed a little bit of direction to, to do it. And I think, right. you know, they're probably doing in one. I was like, well, you know, you can listen on your desktop. And they said, oh, I want to, you know, I want to download it and listen to it on my, in my car, on my phone. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know,
1: and and, you know, Gene has asked me in the past and I think um, what I'm what I'm going to try to do and I may need a little assistance from you. Um I think I'm going to actually try to put together a um an article on how to how to take advantage of podcasts. Um uh, because we have a lot of people, you know, in the traditional community that you know they just they by 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 nature they don't want to they don't they don't want to be very technical as far as, you know, computers and that kind of stuff. Um and I think I'm gonna, I'm going to put together an article and let um uh, TBG Traditional Boat Hunters of Georgia publish it in their newsletter. Um, hand it off to the editors for MLA for Stick Talk. Let them put them there. Maybe even reach out to Dennis Harper and and have it run in in A Walk in the Woods and throw it on the website. Uh, so I may need some help from you, sure, uh, on that, especially you know from the Mac side and and the uh, Android side, just because I never. Uh, I never fool with those, but um, I think it'd be something pretty good. So that may be something I try to work on over the next couple of weeks and and get that done. It kind of came up again yesterday uh, in some random discussion. I think it's something that uh, would be beneficial for
0: a lot of folks. so yeah, that would be fantastic. I think I mean, it's so much easier than people think it is. Um I think a lot of people just hear it and they think that's some kind of you know that's something all the kids do, and that's really it's not hard to get going because right. I felt the same it's way. Not yeah i mean all you need literally is an app and you can get yep. it going so yeah i think that's a great idea and i haven't even seen anybody do it so you know i'm sure that when we get a lot around you know when we do it we'll have there'll be three more that do it <laughs> yeah well
1: probably but you know it's uh spreading the word spreading the word that's all it's about i mean it's there's a lot of really good content um out there. And I there's, that's actually one other thing I want to touch on. That I almost forgot about, but I did want, I want to get us, I want us to get us into Neil and Ryan had a sure. great conversation with those guys, but uh, I know I pretty much gave most of my thoughts and reflections. I did miss one uh, last week, but a uh, uh, recap on the expo. Um, I know you've heard that anything, anything you would like to add. I know I did it in my car, so you didn't get to pr- participate there. So I wanted to give you the opportunity to, um, share any thoughts or give any shout outs that you had from the expo.
0: Yeah. You actually got me thinking a lot about the expo too, cause it was a good expo for me. Um, I actually wrote about it on life and Um, and I really, it's, uh, it's refreshing to be around people who are like new into this and really hungry of all ages. And I mean, we talked to, we had several people come to the booth that were, I was shocked that were, you know, in their 60s, uh, 50s and 60s, who just got into this, just got into traditional bow hunting, just got into traditional archery. And we're at the expo, you know, basically it might have been their second event or the first time and and just getting equipped or talking to people or whatever. And I thought that was really cool to see. And it's fun to see people who are kind of like, you know, wide-eyed walking around and just taking it all in because they had no idea how big the community was. And I remembered, it made me remember the first time I walked into the expo. And I can remember the first time John Bouchine walked into the expo. Because I told him, we were friends on Twitter that time. And I said, you got to go to the expo. And he did. And he was just, you know, he came walking around the corner. And he had dowels in one hand and feathers in the other. And, you know, a wool and all kinds of stuff. And it's like, you know, you just, people just don't understand until they see it. You know, and I've shown people at the expo center, the photos and they say, "Well, wow, that's a lot of people." So yeah, this is a, it's a big thing, and you know, and it feels bigger. Um, and that was my that was my thing. And Neil's one of those people. Neil and Ryan too. Um, you know, Ryan, I, I met Ryan through BHA, and he set up at GLLI, and you know, he he's definitely more untraditional traditional than I thought he was. And Neil, it's fun to see Neil, who's a young content coordinator at 28. I started at 27. There's a lot of parallels between the two of us, and I think that's really cool that he is is getting into this. Only the difference is, is he's got he's got it figured out where it's it's really the people that drove him to this, not just the activity. The activity kind of came sec uh, you know second. So that's that's refreshing to see for a kid. And Neil's a great guy. I mean it's he's you know neil and ryan both and that that was my biggest takeaway from the weekend is i really i really liked to see people who are who are passionate and new and and really enjoying themselves because it made me remember when i first started
1: yeah and that you know it's funny you mentioned that because that's that's the the one other thing that well there's two other things i want to add about the expo but one of them was uh uh, you mentioned the the people that had never been um so i'm standing at the booth on saturday and this this gentleman walks up and he started talking and i recognized the voice but i couldn't i couldn't put my finger on it um and it was uh, a gentleman named Adam Miller um he does the uh bowhunter chronicles podcast and he's a he's a, a compound hunter modern hunter but he's had Jason Sam Koviak on, and he had Jim Eck out on, and several others, and uh, I actually listened to a few more episodes from, from that podcast on my drive home that Sunday, but, uh, you know, he came up, we had a we had a fantastic conversation, it actually led to, not sure what all the details are going to be yet, but we're probably going to be trading out some, some guest spots on uh, Adam's podcast, whether it's, uh, I think we're going to, probably try to have him and maybe his co-host on our show. And then, um, I I may be, or maybe you and I both may be on, on their show, uh, in the future. So, um, anyway, just that's the kind of thing that I like to see is you're, you know, you're, you're exposing people that, that are interested in archery. They're interested in, in bow hunting, but maybe they haven't made that um, switch over to the, the traditional way of things, but they're, they're getting exposed to, you know, all the great people in the community. So that, that was just fantastic for me. Um, and two, th- the other thing that I wanted to throw out there, cause I, I kicked myself after I went back and listened to my, my road recording, but, um, uh, it's hard for me to think and, and drive or do anything else at the same time. So it's not, not that surprising, but, uh, I, I didn't, I forgot to give a big shout out to Casey Kreger. uh, traditions leather craft just another one of those individuals that just never ceases to amaze me the generosity of this group I, I had the, the string making class scheduled for Saturday afternoon and as I was getting all my my gear sorted out the one thing that I forgot is I didn't bring any um really thin leather for the for the guys to use to you know burnish in their wax and and so forth on their strings so I thought real quick and I thought you know I saw Casey had some uh, some leather laying out over there. And I walked over and just asked him, you know, do you have a, a small piece of really thin leather that I can, that I can buy from you and explain to him why. And without a word, he turned around and went digging through his stash and came out with this fairly small piece and said, here, just take this, um, good luck with your class kind of thing. Um, and that's, you know, that's just the type of people that are in this community. Um,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, we were, and uh, go ahead. Oh, Yeah, we were we were right back by the Michigan Longbow Association booth, too. And, you know, to go along with this whole thing, they had, you know, there's always a bunch of people milling around outside the Michigan Longbow booth. Um, They set up a youth range for the kids and, you know, the the parents usually all renew the family. And it was really great to see all weekend long them have traffic. And um, I was excited to see that, too so yeah yeah and i mean and it is it's just people helping each other out it's people borrowing this and that and walking around and it's like it's like having it's basically like a a big shoot minus the shooting element it's it's everything yep. else and it's inside and it breaks up It it really breaks up the winter the doldrums of winter really because you kind of get excited for the year again and and that's what it really does for me but i want to throw well, that in there
1: sure and the only i will say this the only thing that i will change um if I, if I do this again, and I have no I, no doubt I will attend the expo again, I don't know if it'll be in the capacity of just a visitor or if I'll have a booth. But if I have a booth, I'll, I'll work with Bob to get it out on the main floor. That's the only thing I think I would change. Um, just for the perspective, I do think there was a lot of people that came in, you know, went through the vendor area. And, and that was their day. I mean, you could, you could spend a full day just walking through and talking to the the vendors. There's, there's that many people there and that many people will just stand there and talk to you about their product and, and traditional archery and bow hunting in general. So, um, that's the only thing I would change, but I had a, I had a fantastic time. And that said, part of that fantastic time was sitting down with these two gentlemen, uh, that's coming up. Uh, we, we do give an intro to these guys while we were recording on site. So I'm not going to go into that. But the only thing I will say is, uh, after the show, be sure to go out and check out, uh, chasing it. You can find it, um, uh, on you, on YouTube. You can find it on, on Facebook. Uh, Neil's, uh, got a presence out there on, um, I know on Facebook and Instagram, And then the videos are, I I think the videos are posted through YouTube. I did not do my homework there. I always watch them as he links them on Facebook. But be sure to check it out. He does some fantastic, high-quality videos, some really good content. And you'll just be supporting a a fantastic individual. So with all that said, let's jump right into Mr. Neil Summers and Ryan Tucker. Well, we're here at the... uh traditional archery expo in Kalamazoo and we we kind of squirreled away in a little back room here that's that's pretty quiet we've been wanting to uh sit down with these two gentlemen for quite some time we we've got on the on the show today Mr. Ryan Tucker and Mr. Neil Summers how are you guys doing good doing great glad to have you we uh we were talking before we pressed the record button about how we we kind of ran into each other I guess we we met each other I can't remember, Ryan, if you and I had traded any messages on Facebook related to BHA or not, or if it was just we stopped by the booth up at the Compton's rendezvous
2: and met each other. I just honestly don't remember. Yeah, I think the first time that we actually had any contact with social media, um, I was wearing your shirt and shooting, and a buddy took a picture of it, and I put it on Facebook, and then you liked it. He said, nice shirt, and yeah. then I think we friended each other at that point, and then we kind of lost contact for a little bit, and yeah. then we were at Compton, and, and somebody goes, well, that's Steve Angel. I go, well, I'm glad I can put a face to it now, totally, so it was neat. You didn't turn around and walk away? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I hid for a little while, but. See, that's why, that's
1: why I have Nick on the show, <laughs> to, keep, to keep me grounded. No, it was, uh, I, I just remember that first, that first year at Compton's that, you know, saw you there and, and struck up a conversation, and. And I forget who else was there at that. There was a lot of other people at that booth. That uh, uh, Jarrett. Jarrett was there. Jarrett?
2: Was that the
3: year that I came two years ago? Was that the hot year? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was Jarrett was across from us.
2: Jarrett, um, Tom, Tom was there. Yep. Uh huh. Why there's it was a good sized group. Steven, Steven was around. Was around. Yeah. Sorry, who probably. was the
1: guy that? And it may have been. It may have been Jarrett. Is it Jarrett? Who was the guy that had the old? The old longbows, the ones that he because he was showing us, we had that little rendezvous out there in the camping section that night. And we were all standing around talking, took that big group photo, mm-hmm. and there was one gentleman that was there that had those was old longbows. Stephen's dad. It was a I young guy. Remember. Oh, it was a young guy. Was yeah. that a DJ? Maybe that's it. It was. It was DJ. That's yep. it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, but anyway, we. Uh, as as good of friends as I guess you can call people that you see once or twice a year, it's kind of been, It's good to see you guys every, every at least every once a year. Uh, I know we're not going to make it to Compton, so I'm not. I don't next not, not either. Not this uh, year. Um, it it's a little bit up in the air. I'm gonna talk to Tom a little bit about day. Depending on how the hunt goes in June, we may try to swing back by Compton's, like on the last day before heading home. But the the hunting and the fishing is going to take Preston over Compton's, but we we may try to we may try to slip by there. But uh, going to get to going to get to see you twice this month. Cause yeah, I'm excited. You're heading <laughs> south in in three weeks now, I guess. It's, yeah, it's coming up on that
2: quick. Yeah. yeah. Now is this a, is will this be the first time you've hunted hogs? It will be. Yeah, first time. Awesome. That's cool. That's right. So it's right. Uh, You'll love yeah. it. I'm just yeah, Tom's got me nervous. He's like, Oh, I can't wait to see you. <laughs> after those pigs
0: (laughs) you you should be you should be nervous to see tom after those pigs
1: (laughs) (laughs) have you you never hunted with tom either right no i have not have you ever have you ever spent a lot of time anywhere other than standing at a booth or something talking to tom no okay
2: i mean we've you know at compton so the first the first day
1: we decide to actually go out and do some stalking i want you to just to tag along with tom okay it's it's a riot. and see if you can keep up. <laughs> yeah, there's that. That man walks. Well, he's
3: got long legs. Oh <laughs> my god! I,
0: I'd be at like a slow
3: jog behind Tom all day. I will
2: be.
0: Yeah, I've only uh, I've only hog hunted one or twice with Tom. Or, or I've only only actually I've only hog hunted twice, but it's both it's been with Tom both times, and I got a chance to stalk in the morning with him, and uh, it uh, it's a trip. It's a trip, and he and he. I mean, it's just funny to try to get because he likes to split up and get keep a distance and kind of do a push and he's always just keeps going just sorry keeps going and i was getting ready to tell that
1: same story you i don't know if you're talking about down at okmogi or could not it could be it could be either one we hunted we and tom's killed a bunch of hogs uh, you, i mean you can't argue with success but we we were hunting it uh, down at okmogi a few years ago the uh, traditional archery society had that hill gang hog hunt and uh, we actually got to this—I don't know—it was a three- or four-year-old clear cut, just stuff about head high, just nasty. I mean, you—you you couldn't see any given place; you couldn't see more than ten yards in front of you, nope. just thick. And and we stand there, and Tom's—you know, Tom's like, okay. Here, guys, here's what we're going—we're going to spread out, you know, twenty yards apart or whatever. And you got to move slow. You got to move really slow. And we go into this thing, and you can't see anybody for. <laughs> Half hour, no, and then we come out to this little opening, and we're standing there going, "Where's everybody at?" And we're, you know, we're looking off to the side, waiting for Tom to walk out, and all of a sudden, way up in the, <laughs> he's he's like, he's like three he fourths of the way through this he thing, and we're wearing, not even
0: halfway. And we see his hand. He was wearing a brown hat, <laughs> and all you could see was <laughs> bopping my hand going up and down because he's tall, you know, so you can see it just over the top of the brush, and then you can see him spin around. And look around and then turn around and keep walking again and steve and i are going because the exact quote that tom said and he's gonna his ears are just gonna burn when he hears this but the exact quote was as the as the resident hog expert he said what you got to do is you got to go slow and when you think you're going slow you got to go slower <laughs> and then we hit the thing in field, and he was gone,
1: <laughs> <laughs> of
0: course, that was also we
1: get Top uh Nick, and I finally exit this thing on the other side, and you 're so again you 'd have to see how thick this you 're just expecting a hog to jump out of i mean they could be three feet from you, and you 'd never know it. Mm-hmm. And we come out of the other side of this woods, and, and we're standing there, and we're – I forget who – we're waiting on Tom or –
0: anyway. we were waiting on anybody.
1: Uh, Nick heard a rustle in the leaves behind us, and it was – you know, the bow was up, and he was ready to shoot. And we stood there, and we stared into this thing for five minutes, and then we realized it was these little finches that were down First. in it. <laughs> th- and you couldn't see them because they're so small,
0: anyway. And then we were like, um, we're done. <laughs> One guy got lost, came out on a lake. Got in his car and drove home. <laughs> just <laughs> no, kidding. Of
1: course, it was also that was the most brutal cold. It was cold. It was. I mean, at night we had temperatures getting down around 12 degrees and 20 mile an hour winds. Seriously. And, and you're on a swamp, so everything's just people don't realize. And I try telling these guys this: it's going to be in the teens, but the humidity is what's going to make it. How can it be humid when it? Come see, and it was it was brutal. But we had a good time. We had some some really good stories to tell afterwards and they mm-hmm. still pop up f- from time to time because there was so much happened. That's the, have y'all heard us talk about the, the, the three, three arrow or three bow armadillo story? I've heard a little that bit of it That yep. was where that took place.
0: So. <laughs> the three bears, the three bear tents. Yeah, it was, yeah, it,
1: we, we'll end up going down a rabbit trail we'll never recover from so we'll stop this one. Full,
0: full body cramps <laughs> at night from the cold? Uh, oh, I, yeah. So, uh,
1: I know, Neil. We kind of talked about when we started this thing. We're gonna we're gonna save probably the last half of this really for you. So before we get into that, mm-hmm. um, I, I kind of wanted to ask both of you. You know, Ryan, we'll start with you. You know, how did you get your start in in traditional bow hunting? Is that something that's fairly recent for you? Have you been doing it a long time? I, I I've never uh-huh. really asked you. Surprisingly.
2: Yeah. When when I was younger, um, I had a really good friend, Greg Bennett. We would. We got a hole of some fiberglass bows, don't know where, you know, But using cheap arrows with plastic veins, and so they never grouped right, but we, we stuck a lot of straw bales, you know, growing up, and it was a lot of fun, and I was a, what you'd call a nerdy dude who played Dungeons and Dragons, and <laughs> my character, my favorite character was always a ranger that used a longbow, so it kind of stuck with me, but as I got into high school, everyone was doing compound, you know. So, you know, I I jumped on the bandwagon, did compound for a number of years, uh, had a lot of fun with it, you know, but I just, I was missing something. And I was able to get my hands on a really nice recurve and shot it and shot it all day long. And my buddy thought he wasn't going to get it back and I loved it. So I decided I'm like, this it. I'm selling my compound. I'm going to get into it and go full in. And I've never looked back. How long does that been? Uh... 12 years ago oh very nice yeah and you know when I got back into it I wasn't aware that you know there are these great organizations out there you know so I was just shooting for fun and and having a good time with it and then I ran into you know I heard about this place so I came to it and I was like this is like like heaven you know it is exactly <laughs> and I met the MLA guys and you know and people from Compton and talked to TJ Conrad's at his booth and it just it was really really it felt like home and it and and ever since then, I've not met a, you know, horrible person in the trad world. I think it's it, there's just such a great bond. And, and I mean, you go to some of these other shows, you know, where they, you have compounds and stuff like that, and they have twelve, thirteen dollars 1300 bows, and you can't shoot them. Mm-hmm. You know, you can look at them, or you can buy them. But here, you know, I mean, we've got guys that will put a $1,000 bow in your hand, and just you could, you could walk out the front door, but nobody ever thinks about that because... Uh-huh. They're just genuine human beings. I love it. And
1: I do want to mention, and we give a shout out to David Darling too in the process of doing this kilted
2: bowyer. You won the bow we gave away (laughs) a few months back and David brought that. To the show, yes, and I, I was able to shoot it yesterday, and uh, yeah, it's already been blooded. <laughs> yeah, I, you, I saw you fletching. You got your hand. Now, Are you taking yeah. it home with you, or is he? Oh um, no, he's. I think he said he's done with it. So awesome. it's. Uh, I, I love it. Yeah, I can't thank you guys enough. It was. It was really exciting. Um, and it's beautiful.
1: So, so it's fun. a, a funny story. You know, I've done a few giveaways on the podcast, and and back, you know, even on the simply traditional website through Facebook, we we gave away a bow a few years ago. We've given away a lot of things. And I used to always do a – I would just keep track of anybody who ever met the criteria, and I'd put it in notepad, and then there was this website where I could go and copy those names into it and hit a button, and it would generate a name. And for a long time, it really bothered me because whenever i generate – or whenever I'd click that, the name that would pop up, it was about a 90% chance I was going to have met them and know them personally. Mm-hmm. And then you start worrying about people thinking, well, are they doing favoritisms or is it rigged and that kind of thing? So when I did this bow giveaway, I went ahead and bit the bullet and I, I actually paid for a service, uh, which let people enter in a lot of different ways so they could get multiple entries. But it took the ownership off of me of selecting the winner because it just they sent me an email when the contest ended, right? And I pulled it up, and it was—I saw Ryan Tucker, and I was like, "Man, I am so glad I did that because I talk about—I talk to you all the time. And I'm like, Is this, somebody's going to say that this whole thing was rigged, but you know, with the with the rewards fuel thing, they just send me an email. But I must admit, I was pretty happy when when I well, saw your you. yeah. your name in the in the email when I got it. And 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 I do want to say, here's one of the reasons why. So, David gave away the bow um traditional outdoors threw in a, a one-year comptons membership because we like promoting comptons as well uh and as soon as i reached out to ryan the first thing he says is well you know what i've just renewed mine so i'd like to give this one to neil who's also on the show today so you know that that's the kind of community that you're talking about that the, the traditional community is i mean it's just and there's so many people out there that would do that same thing mm-hmm. it's amazing uh, so you know thank you to you as well oh yeah my so, pleasure so, Neil, I guess to to you now, um, so let, I'm, I'm going to ask this question real quick, if you don't mind saying so. How old are you, Ryan? 46. I'll be 47 in May. Okay, you. I will tell you, you're you're a young looking 46. Clean living. Uh,
0: <laughs> straight edge.
1: <laughs> it's Treat people right and sleep well, right? Right. No, yeah. <laughs> and how old are you now? I'm 27. Going to be 28 wow. in June. Okay, so I knew there was an age gap there. I actually didn't realize it was that it was that wide. So.
3: Ryan's technically, this has been a running joke for a few years. Technically old enough, he could be my dad. <laughs> <laughs> the, like when I need to get his attention, I'm bad at him. So. Yeah.
2: I'm not taking a DNA test.
3: <laughs> <laughs> my actual dad is here, and we can confirm. Ryan is not my dad.
2: Your dad's at the show. Yeah, he's here tonight. You know what? I
1: actually think I saw him. Do you resemble him a lot, or do you two resemble each other a lot? Not time? really. really? He, uh, he just walked in probably ten minutes before we came on the podcast. Okay, well maybe what? There was somebody walking around that. that really did look old mm-hmm. ryan does not look old no. enough to be no, your dad i would but,
0: never have guessed never. but never. Well, thank you
1: but this guy this guy and i just wondered if that was your dad because there was a resemblance there just just there a lot so his
2: dad and i are closer in age yeah. um we went his parents have a place in baldwin um or his, i should say the the family. family does summer's family has a nice little place in baldwin and my buddy mark and i went up there to go for it was opening day of muzzleloader season So we ran up there, and he goes, oh, don't worry, my dad will be there. The cabin will be open. So we get in there, and his dad, Mark, and I, who are all about the same age. Mark's a couple years older than me. We just had a blast talking about stuff. And then Neil shows up. We're like, oh, man, the young guy's ruining it all. (laughs) (laughs) Too many too many movie references that he just won't get. We're,
0: like, running the gamut here. We're, like, 28, 38, 48, and... Adrian. Just hush.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just hush. 39 was some yeah. years of experience, But
1: that is, right? that is funny you say that about the movie references. Mm-hmm. Because that's something that, that I've run into time and time again <sighs> with, with people in their late mm-hmm. 20s. And you're, you're quoting these movies and they just look like you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you're you're like, waiting you for are, them to respond like you have
2: missed the next line. Days. Days. I <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah.
3: I upset a whole room last night with that one with the Big of Lebowski.
2: Movies. He's never seen the Big Lebowski. Are you kidding me? Or or Spaceballs. That's that's a shame. Bro. I know. I I, I yeah, think. Oh, well, if I'd known I mean, that, I wouldn't have had him on the podcast.
3: I know. I know. Uh,
1: I please so. tell me you've seen like Men in Tights or Blazing Saddles. Oh, uh, Blazing. Uh, you kidding me. No,
3: I, I'm. I have, I have I my homework. Ahead
2: of I weep for Oh your yeah, you got. <laughs> yeah. I
3: have like a whole weekend now where like we got in this at work yesterday that I haven't seen Silence of the Lambs either. And now I have to like sit and watch movies all weekend.
0: Well, that's a little bit different than a Mel Brooks movie, but (laughs) tomato. tomato. it would have been better directed by Mel Brooks. (laughs) We
1: have to, we have to take his phone away from him for a weekend and just park him in front of a TV (laughs) and let him, let him get educated. Please tell me you've seen Dumb and Dumber. Yes. Okay. Well, that's your saving grace. All right, we we can keep you around if you've actually seen that movie. Escanob in the Moonlight?
3: Oh, how could you not see it? Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, you redeemed yourself a little bit. I went to
3: school in the UP. That was like a, the Bible up there. <laughs> no, I didn't know you went to school in the UP. I went to Lake Superior State for a year. Oh, cool. Before I ended up in the uh, lovely state of Ohio.
0: Gotcha. Your eyes lit up when you said that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ohio's fine, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 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 I just, the
3: city I was in wasn't the... Uh, best set up city for college students so that's the only reason why i like ohio besides that it just the city i was in was not Mm -hmm. i went from having all this public land around me in the up to going where the closest public land was either going up into michigan or going down south by columbus Mm -hmm. so that's kind of
0: it's quite a culture shock that'd be be different that's where
3: the non-enjoyment for ohio came from is i wasn't in an area that was conducive for being an outdoorsman
0: jungle to concrete jungle that wouldn't
1: be fun so so speaking of neil so i guess you know tell us how how did you get started i mean have you have you always been involved in the outdoors from a hunting and fishing perspective and then you know what's your what's your traditional journey been like
3: yeah i've pretty much my dad has always been really my whole family has really been involved in the outdoors having that family cabin in baldwin i was going up there from you know time i was probably eight or nine Sit with my dad, sit with my grandpa, to hunting deer. And it kind of tailored into, I was involved in FFA, and my focus in that was wildlife management and property management, helping, you know, for wildlife. So I went to school for wildlife biology, and then parks and recreation, then I ended up with a degree in marketing. So I was close. But I've always had a love for the outdoors, you know, especially going up to the U.P., you, it isn't the love for the snow that brought me up there. It was the love for the outdoors. But for traditional, I, when I was old enough to start hunting, my dad wanted to get me into archery hunting and told me, well, I'm going to get you a compound, but I want you. He has an old um, recurve. I don't even know the details of this recurve. Um, but he's like, I, you, for you to get into archery hunting, I want you to learn how to shoot with this recurve. Once you get good of the recurve, I'll upgrade you into a compound. Okay. So I spent that whole summer shooting and shooting and shooting this recurve and until I got good where I could keep it in a paper plate at 20 yards. Mm-hmm. Or not 20 yards, but 10 yards. And then he upgraded me to a compound. And then I compound hunted for a few years. I remember distinctly missing my first doe with my dad behind our old house in the Thumb of Michigan. And, like, this was... One of the last times I bow hunted, because I took a break for probably 10 years bow hunting, and then in college when I was in Ohio, actually, I came back into bow hunting again with okay. a compound with an old um, one my dad had. My dad got himself a new bow, and then I took over his old one, and then I ended up getting back into traditional meeting Ryan here three years ago, was it? It was, yeah. Three years ago, and then I think last year, Or was that year I picked up, Which was it last year I picked up? Or has it been four years here.
2: We've been here four years. So, yeah, but you, I think three years ago is when you got the the suitably named. Rekindled the fire. Well, Well. (laughs) he was was really interested, and he's like, I I think I want to find a nice bow. So we went over to to Lonnie's area and kind of, like, walked around and and looking at stuff. And then he's like, "Uh," I said, what do you want to do, longbow, recurve? He goes, I think probably a recurve. Mm -hmm. So we were peeking through some of them. And didn't want something too heavy, and there was this—it was like a light green fiberglass recurve. I'm like, this doesn't look too bad. It doesn't look like there's too much limb twist. We pick it up, and somebody had scribed their name in it, and it was supposed to be McRitchie, but the way he curled his R down, it, it was McBitchie. <laughs> And I said, this is your bow. (laughs) This is, so that bow is now named that and it's Mm -hmm. actually in my truck right now. So, Yeah.
3: And that's kind of like, I picked up the McBitchy and I knew there was a slight limb twist and it was suitably named and now it's kind of just got an aura around it. But I picked up the bow and we had a slight limb twist and I was like, well, I'll try to get it out, try to get it out. So I bought all the stuff I needed for it, some arrows and glove and everything I needed and started shooting it. Well, I wasn't shooting real great. Like, I wasn't consistently shooting bad. I was consistently all over the place. Right. So I took it to ground zero archery, archery shot by me. Um, he's one of the closest traditional guys. I think they had him look at the bow, and he's like, yeah, the limb twist is pretty bad. He's like, I He's like, you can keep shooting it, but I wouldn't recommend hunting or anything really yeah. with it. Until um, you get the limb twist out, he said. I recommend getting a new bow. And then Ryan graciously gave me a grailing green bear. And that's I started using a recurve until I got my longbow a couple of weeks ago from Dave. We're All gonna right. talk
1: about that in a minute because that 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 bow started like a. Uh, a social media fire. Uh, I've been watching that and I've I've talked to David a little bit about this. We'll come back to that. But I do have to ask you one question. I'm going to put you on the spot and I don't know, I know the wording changed between the time that I would have learned it. And probably when you would have learned it, can you still recite the creed?
3: I, if somebody starts it, I could probably do it, but it's been so it's been, Ten years since I recited it. So
1: they changed the word farming to agriculture. Yes. But it's, I believe, in the future of farming with a faith born not of words but of deeds. A chief wants one, blah, 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 blah. So, all right, next time I talk to you, you're going to have to recite it. Yeah, I'll get it for you. I guess
0: homework is very important.
1: (laughs) So I was in the FFA, too. Uh, Mm -hmm. I actually was, uh, well, at one time I was a uh, chapter district. Federation and state officer, um, one year when I my senior year when I was in FFA. So.
3: Yeah, my I was on our I was on our like um schools board all the way through from time I was a freshman to being a senior. We had a position that wasn't really a slated position, but we had barn manager and greenhouse manager. Okay, manage both those, and then it's a had, great
1: organization.
3: It's great. I I couldn't imagine. You know, even the people I still talk to, a lot of the people from other chapters today, um, I've had some of the greatest experiences. Some of the best stories came from it. Yeah. Um, I competed in, I started out doing parliamentary procedure, and I did job interview. After that, I did one year, of Parley, two years of Parley Pro, then did job interview. And I the things I learned from FFA, mm-hmm. formerly Future Farmers of America, they just call it FFA now. Right. Was outstanding, And I think it's curved a lot of what I like to do now. And even through, I became, I was a regional officer. I never went to state because I had to go to Michigan State. And I didn't have interest in going to Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I also didn't have the grades. I didn't pull my head on my butt until <laughs> senior year about paying attention to school. So I didn't even have the grades to right. go. And I was already accepted to Northern and Lake Superior State. So I was gonna be up north and there's no way it could be a
1: state officer, but. And I stayed, I I kept up with the organization for for quite some time after school, but eventually just kind of let it go. But uh, I actually did, so I did parliamentary procedure too. We're getting way off topic here, we'll (laughs) we'll bring it back in. And the, so my, the year after I graduated high school, um, I did public speaking in my senior year and actually presented my speech at the national convention in uh, St. Louis. And I was, that was the scariest I've ever been in my life to walk out on that stage because it's, I mean, you're talking about thousands of people. And it felt so good when I walked out because I couldn't see anybody but the front row. It was so much, the lights were all so bright and it was just, I was just like talking to those people and it was fine. But yeah, that, I still remember the butterflies I had before I walked out on that stage and it was horrible. I
3: remember uh, we were watching some, the ceremony, I was at my parents, it was during hunting season, the ceremony was on, the opening ceremony. Mm -hmm. And I was still able to recite all the opening ceremony parts. And yep. I was like, I don't know what clicked. All of a sudden I'm like reciting it. I'm going, but that was four years of your life that, and probably what, five for you being a state officer.
1: Yeah, I was, it was five years for me. Um, and the, you know, I think the, if I remember correctly, the first year everybody had to learn the creed mm-hmm. to the point where you, because they had even like a competition around just reciting the creed. And so everybody went, so that was like kind of like your, your trial by fire the first year, but some really cool stuff. I, I still, um, I still keep track of it and I actually still touch base with my advisor from all those years ago. He's, he's, he's even older than me, Nick. Um, <laughs> but he, I still touch base with him every, every few years to see how he's doing. So, but anyway, about your bow, cause I do want to make sure we, we keep enough time to uh, to talk about your new endeavor. But so, did you order your bow from David before or after Ryan won one before run his before
3: the bow is actually mine and Ryan well, it's more or less Ryan is we me and you were talking about it at GLI and because our booths were next our booth was next to Dave's okay at GLLI.
2: because um, Dave built that bow for, for ben. ben that has the uh the the gorgeous bow yeah, yeah
0: that so, one is it's uh, sharp
2: and I, I do want to get the details of the bow
1: but that's the part i want to talk about so make sure i'm I'm being clear here we're talking about david darling with yes. the kilted mm-hmm. boyer um and nick i know nick's done this i've done this i've still got a bow today that i a, what they call a board bow i actually found a a good piece of oak and and made a bow out of a oak board and uh because it's oak, and it's not the best bow material, a lot of people back them with various things and I backed that bow with some cheap camo cloth that I got at Walmart for like i don't know three bucks or something, but it's camo on the back and it works really cool, and that bow i don't I've shot it a lot it's not a it's not an overly great performer, but I don't know that I've ever seen anybody do what David's doing they may I just haven't seen it but so you got a long bow from David. Mm-hmm what's the length on it six it was supposed to be 62 it ended
3: up being a toucher longer it's a 64 inch bow 51 pounds at 28
1: 51 at 28 64 inch bow what's the woods Babinga. okay
3: um and then i can't remember what the other woods he's used i know Babinga was a main wood in it and then he
1: did fiberglass limbs Mm -hmm. and then backed it and the backing is buffalo buffalo plaid which just and he also, I saw today he's got all these different camo patterns and things, but it, it looks really cool. And I know from the first pictures that he started posting on Instagram and so forth, there was a lot of comments and likes and so forth. And now he says that he's getting, people are asking him all the time to do this buffalo plaid. So mm-hmm. Now, was that something he already offered or, or did, he, it, did you ask him to do it?
3: He offered the putting back in with cloth or right. material. But me and him start talking, because I be- met him at Compton's this year, or it would be 2019, through his friend Shad and Tubby. Right. And we started talking, and then I shot a couple of his bows. I was like, man, I really like these. And I brought one over to Ryan. I was like, hey, man, check this out. And I went and shot and fell in love with it. Well, then, ironically, we were talking. We were, Then we became friends and was talking on Instagram back and forth. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to be at GLI. I was like, awesome. Well, then ironically, Ryan ended up camping right next to Dave and his dad, Greg. And then our booth ended up being right next to theirs. Okay. So then we just were talking throughout the day. And I was like, you'd be cool if you, you know, did like a Stormy Cromer-inspired, you know, with buffalo plaid uh, backing on it. And his eyes lit up. He's like, yeah, let's do it. And then we talked about it. Nothing more was really said than we start talking more about it. He's like, I think I'm going to make that bow for you and we're going to see how it goes. So we, I came up to his, when I did a video for him back in October, I came up to his house and we started talking more and more about what woods we should include and how we're going to do it.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it looks really cool. Uh, I've seen mm-hmm. it a couple of times now and I got to see it the first time, uh, I guess today yeah. in person. So, uh, it, it's a, it's just a really cool color, a combo. I mean, it just really is. I would honestly, and truly, if somebody had mentioned that to me, I'd have probably go, mm, no, I don't know about that, but after seeing it, man, it it looks really cool.
0: Anybody who owns or has ever wanted to own a chromer is like, yeah, now I need a Cromer with this bow. <laughs> it, or, it screams Northwoods. North it, it really does. does.
1: Yeah. It really does. Mm-hmm. It, it
0: it yeah. I never seen anything like it. Right? I haven't
1: yeah. either. I, and like I said, I would have never. I, I would have. I, I, I've always associated that that cloth linen style backing on self bows. I just mm-hmm. would it. It would have never come into my mind. So yeah. okay, that. Kudos! That was a great idea. I mean, a really cool idea. And I hope, I hope David sells a ton of them. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. a super guy. He's a great guy. Yeah,
3: He really is. And that's like why we became friends. Like this whole like traditional journey for me. I was never like, I didn't really think of it. I didn't come here when three years ago in the intention of jumping in both feet in mm-hmm. traditional. At that point, I just compound hunted, and then rifle hunted. Now, Ryan has like got me completely immersed in traditional because he got me that fifty-eight cal sidelock this year. Now I'm pretty much going to start hunting with black powder only too, and that's it's just became a whole snowball.
0: Yeah, you really can't you can't dabble in this. No, no. this is no, one of those things where you're in it or you're out of it in a couple of years. because yeah. you just didn't do it enough. Your mm-hmm. both feet is pretty standard in this this activity we all pursue and
3: like going the traditional show was i don't think completely did it i think compton's that year when you guys the incredibly hot year was the year that caused me to jump in both feet because even like the vibe and the culture here is so different than you find anywhere else it's so different like everybody's like a fan like you can meet somebody and then by the end of the night you're like family with
0: them Mm mm-hmm and community is great and doesn't yeah. actually all these events really do feel like a big family reunion now i was we steve and i were just talking about that like now when i go to a shoot you'd be lucky if i string a bow sometimes <laughs> you know i i i run into so many people throughout the day that want to talk mm-hmm. by the end of the day i have no voice and no ambition to do anything but find a campfire and hang out and that's what that's when you know you're in something good where it's it's so good that the activity is secondary and the community is like the primary thing yeah and you've had some good mentors doing this too
3: yeah especially ryan being one of them todd smith good one tom jorgensen yep and those guys have been Great, Rob Jones,
0: friend of the show, Bob Bones. Bob Bones, Bob Bones. <laughs> we had a long. We poor, poor,
1: poor. Rob called it rough last night. Somebody, so we all we all went out to eat. It was like fourteen or fifteen of uh-huh. us, and I think John Buchin started. It was somebody started giving Rob a hard time about why he hadn't been on the podcast, and it turned into a fifteen-minute <laughs> roast uh, of all the reasons why Rob. And Rob is going to be on the podcast. We're going to get him on, but. Uh, it it was pretty brutal. <laughs> Most
0: Anybody else but Rob would have walked away mad, but he did. He's, He's just, great. First mm. one to
2: invite himself on the show instead of getting invited. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, well, my daughter thinks my daughter is 12 years old. She'll be 13 in April, but um, I took her to GLLI with me one year because no one else could make the, you know, for a BHA booth. The first time we were actually there. And no one else from the chapter could make it. So I'm like, you know, Morgan, you want to go camping with me? And she's like, sure, yeah. And we're sitting in the, and this is, I was just dabbling in the MLA. I think I joined at at, um, at here, that previous year. And just having a good time. But I could tell my daughter was starting to get bored. And I couldn't leave the booth, you know, because right. that's what I was there for. And Rob walks up and asked me how things were going, if I need anything. I said, no, we're doing really well. And he looks over at Morgan. And he's like, have you shot your bow yet? And she's like, no. He goes, grab your bow. Let's go, you know. And that's the kind of people that are here that I'm totally okay sending my daughter off with darn near a stranger, you know, and they, they just had a great time. And then, you know, he came for work in my area, came to one of her softball games, you know, didn't have to do that. He could have done anything that night. And that's just the kind of people they are. And Rob the kind of has a, my daughter a heart loves gold.
0: He does. He, so he'll he do anything for you.
1: He yep. he absolutely has a heart of gold. I was actually looking for a, a new pickup, I guess that's been two years now. And I, I called Rob to ask him a question. And without going in a lot of detail, let me just tell you, he went above and beyond. He went through service records on every vehicle that I was, because he works, he works, you know, mm-hmm. he's a Ford mechanic. But every vehicle that I was thinking about buying, you send me the VIN. And he come back, oh, nope, that one's been, you know, they're, they're not telling you this one had this done and this done. I mean, he didn't have to do that. I mean, he's just yeah. a great guy. He's just he great really guy. is. So, i do want to talk about your new endeavor because i'll be honest i've seen a little bit of it i think i clicked on the link and went out to the website once but i'm perfectly honest i have not had time to really dig into it so you're going to give us the grand tour but neil you've got a a new venture that you've started into called chasing it Mm -hmm. um and you know for the people listening you know tell us what chasing it is about what your what your goals are there and and maybe things that you might have planned in the future and so forth
3: yeah i chasing it has been it's been chasing it since 2014 i do believe but i've had some sort of like blog i've had variations i had the neilsummers.com for a while mm-hmm. <laughs> which fits into the whole aura of the big, big deal thing
0: the Neil Summers. The Neil
3: Summers. <laughs> which actually came from the, my FA advisor. He used to just refer to me as the Neil Summers. Uh. So, <laughs> and he referred to me by my whole name. But I started, you know, doing photography in 2013. My dad bought me I had a little bit of interest in it and I was like but I couldn't afford it. I was a college student. You know, getting a somewhat decent DSLR is, you know, hard to do. Well m- my parents Surprised me, I came home one day, and there was a cannon box sitting on the counter. And they're like, we're going to support you in this. Go ahead and learn how to do it. So I started taking pictures with a Canon T3i and kind of just taking pictures. While coincidentally, two weeks later, Rusted Rooster, they're the Kiefer brothers out of Midland. Um, they were all having a film school. Well, I emailed Jason Brown, who ended up recognizing my last name. He's actually friends with my aunt and uncle. Was like hey yeah come on to the school so i paid went to the school and then i learned how to just basics of framing filming and then after that i created a couple of blogs and then in 2014 i think chasing it became a thing well through 2014 i you know started doing blogs started doing videos for my dad and then just filming some hunts stuff like that well 2015 it kind of took a detour i ended up finding out i was having my son so it kind of put a pump break on everything i was doing because i had to focus on sure. moving to a new city a new state moving into indiana which where i am now and doing all that well i because of just coming out of college and all that i bounced around and didn't really have a good job i work for a great company now so i was able to actually put a focus in doing chasing it and then my new year's resolution, even though I hate New year's resolutions, was to put all my effort into doing chasing it now that I have the time and I wanted to create something specially for the traditional community, something special that you know there's not very there's not a lot of media out there that are, for traditional there's you guys and there's a few other um people out there doing traditional stuff, but I wanted to put out content highlighting these guys you know chasing it is. You know, kind of catch line, my dad actually came up with Chasing It. We were talking about, you know, what would be good hunting show names. And he's like, we're throwing stuff back and forth. And I go, he said, well, what about chasing? It? I said, well, chasing it. He said, yeah, whatever the passion, keep chasing it. So that's kind of resulted in what I want to do is, you know, a couple of things is highlight my journey in traditional through the, you know, with black powder. Using the longbow, recurve, everything, talking about McBitchie, fly fishing, and kind of highlighting that whole journey, as well as the other part is chasing the passion, which I did my first video with Dave, talking about in the bow. Actually, he was building in the video, was actually my bow that is now the plaid bow. Right. But I kind of want to highlight these people that are chasing their passion and killing it, doing it awesome. Because we are in such a niche market, I think more people need to hear about it. And I want to put as much of light as I can on this traditional you know, community. Just because of how welcoming everybody is. like it, I was amazed. Like Some of the closest people I am with now are because of traditional. Because of Ryan, too. Introducing me to all these awesome people. And that's kind of where chasing it is heading now. I have a couple of things on the burner that I want to work on, but I'm not... Disclose those at the moment because I still got a lot of things I need to work out on those.
1: I have found that's a very good approach to take because as soon as you throw it out there, somebody will jump all over it. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but I will be anxious to see where you're going with it.
3: Yeah, and Ryan, the first episode, I'm going to start work on the first episode here. I needed one piece to start it, and that was McBitchy. Ryan traded me McBitchy for the My recurve I'm using now that my dad's going to end up taking and start shooting because my dad wanted to hunt an animal with everything he could in Michigan, and Mm -hmm. he has, except a longbow, because he couldn't get good enough with a longbow. But he got rid of his recurve because he can't pull him back. He has back issues. Well, he wants to get into it just to shoot with me and enjoys it, and so he's going to take that, and he's going to end up getting a bow now, too. I sucked him into it with me. Okay. Monks, a couple other people I sucked into it. Co-workers are now getting
1: trad bows. So what's the... What's, is, it, is, is the platform going to be more focused on uh, articles, pictures, po- podcast style? interview? I mean, what, what really are you, are you trying to, to pull together in this one?
3: I'm doing a mix of a couple media platforms here. I'm still doing photography, taking mm-hmm. pictures, and doing stuff based around nature. But right now it's a lot of blogs... I'm writing blogs from everything from, I think I sent to you, chasing traditions to anything like, I see quotes that I find, like I'm going through conservation quotes, writing about those kind of my thought on those and how they pertain to us now, as well as doing those videos like that chasing traditions kind of highlighted my journey up into d- deer season this year mm-hmm. and past of using a fly fishing, using black powder, using a longbow as well as doing the interviews, kind of sit down, video interviews, showing people chasing their passion. And I have a couple great people in the industry that I've lined up that I'm going to do a couple videos for. Very nice. So that was kind of like I wanted to create something, especially I wanted to put my, you know, it's kind of a journal of sorts of I wanted to put something out there that made me happy and made me proud. And I never, it was funny in high school and all that, I was always told I was a horrible writer. Always told I always got crappy grades in English. Well, then I got to college, and college has a different way of looking at writing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Why are you like? I took, I had to take, because I tanked to English on my ACT. So I had to take like the pre English before you get into right. freshman right. English. And I started writing, and she's like, Why are you in this class? I was like, Because I'm horrible in English. She's like, You're not. She's like, Your style is just different. So then she, like, I remember, I can't remember the professor's name. It was at, like, Superior State. Actually encouraged me to start writing. And she liked my style. She said it was just a different style. So then I just kept writing after that.
0: Style's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest, once you get your fundamentals down, it's the biggest part of it, arguably. Yeah. But it's it, just like a voice. Everybody's got one. Once you figure out what you got, then... Yeah, but standardized testing doesn't usually capture the creative writing element.
1: <laughs> right, well, and think about it. You know, if you think about looking at someone like uh, uh, Twain or Hemingway, if they were submitting stuff to college professors today, they'd probably freak out. It's their the writing styles that those guys had. So.
3: Well, and like a lot of that, school. sometimes the schools aren't, they're becoming better, but aren't as conducive to people who are on the outer limbs of creativity or mm. writing because Walt Disney was told is a very big example was told he wasn't creative enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. But I agree with what you're, I agree with what you're saying about the, we are a niche community, not just, and I, I think not just the traditional bow hunting community, but really the kind of thing that we try, I think we've tried since day one with this podcast is, is more around the, what I refer to as the old school mindset of it's not it it's not about the the destination. It's about the journey. And it, there's so many things that people get just completely miss because they're in such a hurry to get to that end prize that they they miss so much in the middle. And yeah. and I really w- I wish you. There's so many people that I run into. Um, in my day-to-day as far as you know in in the outdoors whether it's hunting or fishing that you know, they're so focused on that that prize and and i kind of slow down Yep. There's t- there's plenty of time for that
2: loses to, value
0: yes exactly and, and to comment on that and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up and i'm glad you're doing this neil because i think my biggest complaint with where we are today is that when people get into this they do the jump in with both feet thing but they want to go right to expert level they don't. They don't want to be perceived as being new. They want to be perceived as being an, a, a, you know, a name already mm-hmm. or or established. Because nobody really wants to be the new guy somewhere. They want to be. Well, yeah, I know how to do that. but they don't want to be told to do stuff or treated that way. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's part of the human condition, I guess. But the best parts of it are when you start. You will never see this from how you're seeing it now again. Mm-hmm. Once that's gone and in five years you're into this, you can't get it back. And it, that's, the, that's the most special time. You'll always remember those times where you were just getting, you, you walked out with wide eyes and everything was new, you know, with, with, your, with your trad gear and your shooting and everything and coming to these expos and meeting people. And I mean, the first couple of times I went to these expos, but I was blown away. I mean, it was overwhelming and I could not believe how big this community was. and, and I wish more people talked about that from a beginner's standpoint because that's really what influences people to want to do it, how special it is at the beginning before you get grumpy, and then later on you're like, <laughs> I already know how to do all this. So I don't know what, what are we talking about this for? You know, that kind of thing.
3: Well, and yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because you're actually one of the big inspirations for me to start chronicling it. Oh, that's I was, great. I got your book last year, Life and Longbows, at the last expo, and I was reading it back in, like, September, like reading back through some of it, and I ran across your story, uh, just not your story, but your whole thing about you talking about your whole journey. I was like, man, that's interesting. And I said, I should do that in video form.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So I kind of robbed it off
0: of you. <laughs> you. No, I was excited me. when you said you were going to do that because, yeah. I've, and it, I think
3: I messaged you almost immediately
0: mm-hmm. when you I did.
3: decided I was going to do it. And you're a big part of why that, why I'm making the move of doing it. And my thing is, is like, I'm just trying to stay focused on it because my biggest flaw is getting hot and cold is I'll be gung-ho and then stop. Mm -hmm. But I think with this passion, I feel like a little kid, Mm -hmm. like learning all this stuff, is, you know, the great people helping me. Todd mentioned I went out and shot with Todd and he's like, man, I I was like, I just can't shoot consistently. He's like, it's your airway. Threw a heavier point on it and made the world of difference. Stuff like that. Like little things that people are offering is amazing. And it's, I just, you don't see it very often anywhere else where people are willing to help you and willing to build people up. It's
0: amazing. And and it's the best, the ones that are the best at it are the ones that don't say anything until Mm -hmm. you ask. Mm -hmm. They want you to figure it out because that's part of it. But I I remember struggling so many times and and, uh, having a hard time at the range and the guy I was shooting with would just be like, arrows look a little hot there. What's going on? And then he looks at everything. I'm like, hey, can you help me out? You know, and then they start talking to mm-hmm. you about it. That's what a real good mentor is. It's not the the blustery, I'm going to tell you the way you should be doing it, because this is how it worked for me before you even asked them to do it. We're like, mm-hmm. well, you just took that away from me. I, I Now I'm your way. I don't know anybody else's way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you usually when you find a real good one that wants to that wants to make a difference, that when you ask them, they give you the information. Todd, yeah. Todd's a good one for that. And you know. Tom...
3: Time- Tom was another where we talked about it. Cause I had brought him. It had been I was like, man, something just doesn't seem right. And I think it it was McBitchie I brought him. And he looked at it and said, Well, here's a couple things, fix it. And then that's what caused us to look at the limb twist. And, but it's just amazing how much somebody's everybody's willing to help. And mm-hmm. if even some of these boyers, like, like if you go to shoot their bone, you're not shooting great with them, they're like, Well, my bow may not be great for you why don't you go try somebody else's bow mm-hmm. and we'll give you offer you suggestions which that's amazing because where else are you going to see them wanting to see people succeed instead of just wanting to sell you their product yep
0: yep that's very true
1: <clears throat> yeah and it, and tom uh, nick you said something sorry about that i called you tom yeah what's wrong wow. with you <laughs> um <laughs> and, and i, I, I you you do see the random people that just pick up a bow, and they're an absolute natural. And I'll be honest, I worry more about those people sticking with a sport because it was too easy. And look, we live in an instant gratification society. Everybody expects instant gratification no about what you do. But personally, I think... The people that will stick with it, and if you can explain to them that if you stick with this and get to the point where you're not even good, let's just say you're competent, there is such a feeling of accomplishment, and it means so much more if you can keep them engaged. And because of that instant gratification, they don't get frustrated you know, right out of the gate. And that's where the people like Todd and Tom and so many others that can just say, you know, you might, it may just be a few little things you can change. Um, I think one of the biggest frustrations I see is the guy, the, you know, I say a guy, the person who picks up a bow and they want to start launching arrows from 20 yards right off the bat. And it's fun to watch the flight of that arrow. I don't care if you're hitting a target. Just mm-hmm. to be able to watch the flight of the arrow is absolutely beautiful. But if you're wanting to be consistent and you're wanting to, you know, feel like you're accomplishing something, why are you shooting at 20 yards? Shoot at five. Mm-hmm. Get close. And, I mean, it, there's just so many different things. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Tom is a very good one. That, he is about the most patient individual mm-hmm. I think I've ever known in my life. He, he might really be the model
0: is. of that philosophy actually.
1: Yeah, he he's and he will let you make the mistakes. He will he will sit back as long as you're not going to cut your arm off and injure yourself or something. He'll sit back and let you learn from your mistake and then he'll if you ask or you hint that you want his advice, he'll he'll give it to you.
3: Yeah, it's Tom, I that's one of the things I really appreciate about Tom, is he doesn't he never tries to push his opinion on anybody. He just kinda like well, why do you think it's happening this way? Ask your opinion first. He's like, well, I think it may be this, or he's so like non-assuming about how he helps people. It's amazing. Yeah. And, like I, me and Ryan have talked about it.
2: He leads you to learning as opposed to you know shoving mm-hmm. you through the door. It's mm-hmm. it's very patient. It's nice.
1: So here's what I'll commit to you as far as sticking with it. You've made your you've made your New Year's resolution, and I'm with you. I hate the things because most of it. They don't work. They don't work. Mm. But, so, and I don't even know if you know all this, but um, Traditional Outdoors has the um, Outdoors Podcast Junkies Facebook group. Mm -hmm. So, I, I maintain that one. We have the Traditional Outdoors community. You're welcome to, and at any time, post anything or share any content that you've got on both of those. And if I don't see them, I'm going to start hitting you up and saying, why aren't you posting something? Awesome. And, you know, if you've got something that you do that you feel like is, is really good or you want even more exposure, let me know and we'll figure out a way to, to even share it from the website as well. So Awesome. Um, I, I'd, I'd love to see you successful because I, like I like the mentality of what you're trying to do. I'd love to see you show that journey. Um, I think once you've shown the journey, then you could probably even start over again going back and talking about the things that you now realize that you didn't when you started. And it's, I think there's a lot you could do with that, and I think a lot of people benefit from it.
3: Yeah, it's, I really don't ever think the journey's ever really over. You're always learning and changing something. Is like, one of my favorite quotes was from Muhammad Ali. Is like, if the man at 50 years old is still thinking the same way, as he, did, as he was in his teens, has he really ever changed? And it's kind of – I think I've slaughtered the quote, but <laughs> – That's all right. <laughs> it's, it's in the ballpark. We got it there. It's just I don't think I'm 100% on. But, you know, it's – you're always learning something, and its you're always going to find out something new. And I think trying to chronicle that will
1: uh, absolutely show that. It's definitely one of the things you I don't think you can ever – you can ever fully master or know 100. Why do you why do you not play tic tac toe anymore? Mm-hmm. And if it if it got to the point where you're good at it, you're not. I've I've used the, ter- the 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 um a lot of times with with bow hunting, especially when talking about getting youths and kids involved in hunting. And some of the things that I see that I don't dis that I don't agree with how people are introducing kids in the woods is, you know, if you how many times do you see a a kid pick up a a phone to play a video game or something? And once they complete that, do they ever go back to it? And if they beat that game in, in a day, are they ever going to pick it up and do it again? No, because it's, but you got to keep that, you got to keep that passion to, to discover something new and traditional bow hunting or traditional archery altogether is just, it breeds that passion of you're never, it'll always find a way to humble you and knock you back down to reality. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it really is very humbling. Like, I like I was shooting with Dave, and he looks at me, and goes, "You're short drawing," and then he changed, and I was like, "Really?" And I, he goes, "Well, let's try this." Through a clicker, goes, "This is where your drawing sh- probably should be," because I'm six one six two. I was drawing at twenty. I was drawing to twenty six. He put the clicker on, and it changed everything. He's like, "Now that's good form," and then it. I'm back to ground. I'm back to point zero of. I'm all over again trying to relearn, fixing bad habits. And that's the thing is it's so amazing of you always should be learning. Even between different bows, not every bow is going to shoot the same. Mm-hmm. So you're relearning the new any new bow. You're having to retune everything. So there's always stuff to learn.
1: So you just put the clicker on?
3: Yes, I put the clicker on when I picked it up two weeks ago. Okay. Me and my son ran up there because my son was all excited because he's – He's four and a half, well, he's f- going to be four and a half here, and he's all about hunting. So I told him I was getting a new bow. So he asked about it for like two weeks straight. <laughs> when are we going to go get it? When are we going to go get it? So then we went up with Dave
1: and got the new bow. And So, as I said, probably won't make Compton's this year, but next year at Compton's, I'll, I'm going to be curious to see if you're still using the clicker or not. I and I, I believe it's that. We'll we'll just we'll talk about it next year at Compton's and see if you're if you're still using um, the the clicker, and then we'll have a whole other discussion. Um, I'm not a, I'm I'm not I am i not i do not shoot a clicker, and and there's ser- there's reasons why I don't. But I want to see how your style develops, and like I said, let's talk about it in a year because I just want to see how that journey goes for you as well.
3: Yeah, my long term isn't to leave that clicker on. My long term is to fix my short drawing. And pull the clicker back off.
1: Okay. But that's the discussion I want to have with you is why you're thinking that. Um, and then we can talk about why it, it, it's never fit my style of shooting. Um, but like I said, it's just a curious thing. It's nothing, I don't, I'm not a pro or con guy on the clicker thing. I think some it's really good for some people and some people and their shooting style, it's not. So I just, I'm curious to see how that journey will play out with you.
3: Yeah. It's, I have a theory about it, what might happen. But I'm waiting to see. I'm going to try to keep out of that headspace or at least acknowledge sure, that. Sure, you should. That I I have one concern about it, and it was brought up. We were talking about it this morning because somebody asked about it on my bow. Mm-hmm. I took it off for the show, but somebody asked about the piece on it and knew what it was, and they were asking Dave about the clicker. Okay. And I, I'm i using it right now kind of to fix my form because right. Stephen even, Doherty even brought it up this morning. He still thinks I'm still short drawing a little much
1: even with the clicker
3: even with the clicker so i got to adjust that when i get home adjust the clicker out further
1: interested i'll be interested to see how how that plays out well gentlemen we are pretty much at the the top of the hour that we say we don't want to keep you guys away from your booth any longer and I may not have any shirts left. <laughs> people may just be, I, I'm saying that jokingly. I I have no doubt that nobody would even think about picking one up off the table out there without talking to us, so I'm joking about that. But I do know everybody needs to get back to their stuff. I really appreciate you guys taking the the time. I wish we'd done it sooner, but I, I like the fact that we were able to sit down and have yeah, this conversation Better, do it, like, better yeah. do it like this, yeah. I think.
0: Yeah, thanks, guys. We're honored oh, to have our you. Our pleasure.
3: Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate you guys.
1: All right. We'll be looking forward to seeing what happens with Chasing it. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care, guys.